All right, all right. Well, welcome to my church. How are we, church family? Good, good, good to have you guys today. I'm Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors here on our staff, and uh, I'm glad if you are a guest today, because you get to jump in on the very beginning of a, of a conversation that we'll have for the next few weeks, touching down on some you asked for questions that we, we gleaned from you as you gave survey responses last week. So I hope you guys will enjoy this series. I know that today is going to be a day that, uh, man, God's been, God's been teaching me something on. So I think it's going to be good for all of us today. Before we dive into this conversation, I want to invite Raquel White. Everybody give Raquel a big hand this morning. This is Raquel White. She is uh, part of the White family. Uh, how many kids do you have? Like 15? Only four. Only four. Only four. They, her husband, Scott, uh, and Raquel are wonderful, wonderful, you know, my church members for a long, long time and uh, serve on my tots and also in our, our middle school and high school ministry. So thank you for what you guys do. Recently, Raquel went and led our trip, our my church trip to Mexico. If you guys know this, we launched a church in, in Mexico. The church is called Mi Iglesia. It's in Guadalajara. And we had several people go to Mexico last week, and Raquel was our team leader. And so Raquel, I was going to ask you a couple questions this morning. Uh, tell us how the trip was. Was it awesome? Was it terrible? Would you ever go back? Um, how the church is doing? Tell us what, how was the trip, and just give us some highlights. First of all, the trip was awesome. Um, <clears throat> highlights. So last year, when the, the group went, um, they were passing out flyers and getting ready to open me Glacier. This year, a lot has changed in their life and a lot of really exciting changes. They have a building. Um, they are praying for a new building, but they have a building. They have people coming. Their opening story isn't quite like my church's story of overflowing with a tent, um, but they have a group of people that have been coming, a really amazing, um, joyful group of people who have been coming, and they've been faithful to pray for one new person each week. And God has brought that one new person every single week. And so <laughs> they're cool. living that faith that's one cool. at a time. And they rent a, they, the building they have is they rent a building. What are they, what is, tell us about that. That's kind of cool. Um, they are renting a restaurant on one side and a bar on the other. So every week their team goes in and moves all the tables and chairs. They wipe down everything, clean the floors. I mean, a lot of work that preps into just yeah. putting out chairs for to welcome people to come. Um, the kids are on the bar side, so we cover up all the bar signs. Love it. Transform and a bar into a kid's ministry. That's cool. Absolutely. And the family, the, um, the owners were a little nervous to have a church at first, but now they are part of the church. They're excited to be oh, part of the church. Oh, that's cool. God has moved in their lives that's as well. That's cool. So it's really amazing. That's truly. awesome. Um, the other change in their life is not only do they now have a building, but they are now um, working alongside of an organization called Marked by Heaven, who is doing amazing things in the city. Um, one of their projects is they have two orphanages in the city. Let me back up one second really fast just to give you perspective because I didn't know this before going. Guadalajara square footage is the size of New York City. It has 9 million people. Wow. As opposed to New York City's 12 million. It's a lot of people. So wow. their prayer for one person at a time is significant because there's a lot of people to reach. Um, so, sorry, that was my interjection. Back to the orphanage. They are working with a group of girls who I have never seen a group of girls who have been more loving 
They act like siblings, but more loving to each other who are loved and cared for. God has really done an amazing job of partnering um, people. I didn't know this either, but Guadalajara is a big um, retirement. There's a lot of retirees, expats that go there, and God has coupled these retirees with, with some of these girls who need family. So part of what we were able to do when we went was that Saturday we helped celebrate a um, a 15-year birthday party for one of the girls that was just new to the orphanage. Um, it's a big deal in Mexico. It's a huge, it's a big family occasion, big friends, huge celebration. Um, and we got to be a part of helping decorate, helping serve food, helping be a part of celebrating this girl's 15th year as part of her family, when in reality, she really doesn't have any family other than her orphanage and those, those um, retirees who have embraced the girls and are helping be their family as well. So we got to be part of that, and it, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, the other thing that... Uh, Mark by Heaven is doing right now. Their other ministry is they have started going into three villages. They go twice a month and only because, only twice a month because it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of manual work. It's a lot of time. Um, they would go more often if they could, but they have a group, a core group of about eight that go out and travel to these villages. Before they do, let me set up really quickly. Um, we they have a team of eight. We were eight. We gathered together at um, one of their homes and made sandwiches and lunch for 1,000 mothers and ch- um, mothers and their children wow. that we visited amongst the three the three villages. You had a thousand sandwiches, and how many were you total? Sixteen. Wow. Wow. A thousand sandwiches, sandwiches, all loaded into the back of the van with us as we traveled along the way. Um, they are, they have huge, their core team is wonderfully, uh, they have a huge vision. They have a love for their fellow people. They have um, not only their city, the, the people that live within their city and the outskirts, but also all of Mexico. I teased one of them about coming to my church and helping us do children because he's amazing. And he said, I'm sorry, once we're done with Mexico, maybe I'll come to Columbus. Um, and that's just his heart. He loves his fellow people. And they're building, they're working to build trust in the villages and not just be an organization that hands out, um, that just hands out food, but really learning to trust them and work alongside with them. Carlisa shared with me after our trip that um, one of the moms came to Carlos asking for Tylenol because her daughter had had an earache for two years. Two years. So... Mm. Absolutely, he brought Tylenol. He also took them to the doctor and found out that the girl has full hearing loss in one ear and potentially full hearing loss in the other. So they're working to try to get secure funds for surgery for her. Um, Part of their their mission in the villages is to try to help educate them. They have no education. So things as simple as caring for their children, personal hygiene, or things that they're, they're needing to go and take to them and teach them so that they can better care for their kids. Um, along those lines, not only are they praying for a new church building, they're also praying for a space to rent in the village, the one village that has the most kids in particular, a space to rent to help provide food on, on a daily basis, Monday through Friday. Because um, the reality is it's not, it's not guaranteed. Hmm. So they're working to secure that as well. Um, we, we really went to shadow them in their own lives, what they do on a day-to-day, week-by-week basis. 
And they are some hardworking people. Mm. <laughs> Amazing mm. what they're doing. Mm. And their heart is even bigger. And they would do more if they could. Mm. Um, so we went just, just to be a small part of lending our helping hands to go alongside what they're already mm. do, what, what they already are investing in. So we're thinking about another trip in December? Yes, yes, yes. So um, first of all, let me say really quickly, one of my highlights was not only... The, their group that they work with and this joy that just bubbles out of every, seeps out of every pore. But the, the team that we went with were just great about all hands, all hands on deck, no complaining, morning till night. Um, really amazing, amazing group. And I feel privileged and honored to be a part of that. Um, <laughs> with that, part of their vision for the villages is to give a, a Christmas gift and not just a toy, but something Last year, they gave vests that they could wear in the wintertime because it gets pretty cold. Um, they have a vision to give gifts to all the village children and their moms in Christmas time, and they have asked if we would come back and help them literally just hand out the logistics of handing out the gifts because there's so many that they visit, and, and their, their core group is, they need hands. So if you can do this and smile, you don't even have to know the language, you're good. You can come with us in December. Um, so that's my prayer, not only to be in prayer for them and their church and their family, um, their other ministries and the support they're trying, they're trying to do a lot, but also if you have any ounce of you that, that, that wants to go and give and be completely, um, so, so it's just a few days out of our life to go and make a big difference in someone else's life. We're hmm. going back in December. That's cool. All right. Thank you, Raquel. Thank you for going. Give you that back. All right, let's let's start things out this morning by praying. God, we ask that this morning um, you would do what you could only do in our hearts and lives. God, I pray that you would right now um, bless what's going on in Mi Iglesia uh, in Guadalajara through the church that uh, has been planted. Be with them this morning. Uh, bless what's going on there, God. I pray that they would just see and experience you again. And I pray that for us today. So, God, as we pause for just a moment. Um, would you just show up? God, would you really just show up and would you just take us to a, a new place with you this morning? God, we're expecting and believing, knowing that you can do that. So Lord, I pray you would, you would capture our thoughts right now, capture our attention, open our hearts, just kind of prepare us for your word and what you want to say to us. And God, I pray that we would not only just hear something, but we could grow from what you would do in us this morning. Thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So have you guys ever had an experience where you really had a need? You really had a hurt or a need or some scenario where you begged God, you prayed and you begged God, and God didn't do it? Have you ever had an experience where you, you were like, God, I need you to show up like, like, like yesterday, and, and it seemed like God was just silent, like, where are you, God? Like, it's totally no God, he's somehow inactive. What I want to do today is I want to start things out asking some of the questions that we thought through in our survey last week, questions that you asked for. But I want to I jump right out of the gate and give you like a truth to sink your teeth into as we walk forward. 
just because God is silent doesn't mean God is absent. And I know that's a hard one at times, right? Because there, you, you and I, I, I'm just like you. There are times that I have pleaded and begged God to do something, and God did just the opposite. And I'm going, that makes zero sense, God. I'm not God, but everybody can see that didn't make any sense, right? Have you, have you felt that way before? So to illustrate today, I want to look at a very difficult story. It's an it's, it's a odd story in the Bible. It's one of those that if you know the Bible, you're like, all right, let's quickly skip this one. Let's go on to a, a better one, right? One that like feels nicer, has a better ending. So John the Baptist, you ever heard of this guy? Uh, was a guy in the Bible who was setting the stage for, preparing for Jesus to show up on the scene. So John's like desire, his passion, his life calling, life, life calling was for his knowledge of Jesus is coming and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the preview. I'm going to set the stage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proclaim and tell everybody I know there is a coming Savior of the world. His name's going to be Jesus. He's about to arrive. Get ready. Get fired up, people. That's what he was doing, right? So John the Baptist was also the cousin of Jesus, um, obviously on Mary's side. And uh, he was a, like, a very tough guy, very highly respected, um, did, one of these kind of guys that didn't take junk from anybody. I kind of picture him as, uh, because I've been binging, binging on a TV series uh, called The Walking Dead, and um, embarrassed to say it, I kind of leaked it out a couple weeks ago, but I just started, so I'm way behind most of you people. <laughs> um, but I think this guy would be like Rick. If you guys ever watched, so he'd be like Rick. Like, he just, like, one of these guys that you want to listen to him, you want to follow him, he's tough. He's, you know, he, he can eat, like, dirt and survive. I mean, this, this is literally how the Bible describes John the Baptist. Um, and, and he did something in his lifetime that maybe, maybe he, didn't, he didn't plan to, maybe it was unexpected, but he got up in the king's business. There's a king named King Herod who was doing some dumb stuff, and John jumped, jumped, jumped in there and said, hey, you got to stop that. That's wrong. So jump in with me in Mark chapter 6. If you got your Bible today, grab it. Uh, Mark is the second book in the New Testament. Uh, we're going to jump in, in chapter 6. If you don't have that, grab your smartphone, your Bible app, whatever. If, if you're struggling and you're still old school and you haven't decided to ever go smartphones, you just feel like it'll take your smartness away, and um, then we'll have it up on the screen. So... All right, so Mark chapter 6, verse 17, it says, for, for Herod, or King Herod himself, had given orders to have John arrested. And he had, ha and he had, had him bound and put in prison. Here's, here's this guy that loves Jesus. He's faithfully serving God. All of a sudden, he's thrown in prison. And he did this because of Herodias. Now, let me tell you about who Herodias was. Herodias is uh, his brother Philip's wife whom he had married. All right, so, uh-oh, no, he didn't. All right, so here's, here's King Herod, and he's, he's had an affair and stolen his brother's wife. And, and, and John the Baptist is like, all right, this is all jacked up. This is going to go nowhere fast. This is going to come back and, 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 and mess up what's going on in, in the kingdom. Uh, and, and he tells King Herod, hey, this is jacked up. You can't do this. You can't be 
with your brother's wife. And so here's what happens. So, so uh, as we learn about this in verse 18, it says, For John had been saying to Herod, It's unlawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias, that's, that's the, the woman here in the scene. Um, that's that's uh, the, the, the lady there. Uh, so Herodias nurses a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to. This is, this is like where we, where we kind of picture God intervening here. All right, so we got John getting on to the king, and it feels like God's intervening, not letting the king get on, get too upset with John, although he's in prison. But, he, but she was not able to be too begrudgingly against John because Herod feared John and protected him. So knowing him, the reason why was because he was a righteous and holy man. So again, here's a good guy, a righteous guy, trying to follow God, trying to live right, trying to do right. You know, we give him applause, kudos for that, holy man. And so when Herod heard this, he was greatly puzzled, um, yet he liked to listen to John. So he's got, he's got King Herod's respect. So here's a guy, here's, he's faithfully serving God, who's also in prison, because he took the high road and did what was right. So if I'm John, I'm thinking, all right, I'm Jesus' cousin. If I'm Jesus' cousin and I'm the front runner, I'm kind of preparing everybody for Jesus, why am I in jail right now? What gives? Like, why am I in jail? This makes no sense. I'm, I'm the good guy here. Here's the king who's got it all jacked up. Everybody knows about it. He thinks he can hide it because he's the, the large man in a charge, but... I'm in jail. Jesus, if you're, you're showing up on the scene and you're out there right now while I'm stuck in prison, then can you bust me out of, of jail? Like, do one of your cool magic trips, poop, you raise, you know, you're raise people from the dead. Bust me out of jail. So, here's the question. Do you think John at this point has any doubts? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's got some doubts. Maybe he's in prison. Maybe that's rattled his cage a little bit. Maybe he's like, I'm a good guy. God, why am I in prison? Maybe. So Matthew chapter 11, it, it, it picks this story up. Um, and verse 2, we'll start there. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah. Now, John's in prison. He's hearing about what Jesus is doing. He sends his followers, his little guys, his disciples, out to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come? I'd like to know. Because it would make a difference on whether I have hope I can get out of jail or not. Are you the guy? Right? Are you the one who uh, is, is the guy that we're expecting? Or are we supposed to expect somebody else? So Jesus sends message back to John. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. So everything that you've been hearing and seeing, go back and tell John what's going on as he's in prison. So these guys show up. And they tell John, hey, you ought to see what we've been seeing. You ought to hear what we've been hearing. Hey, Jesus is awesome. Yeah, he's, the, he's legit. He's the real guy. He's been, in verse 5, he's been like helping people who've been blind have sight. He's been helping people who are un, unable to get up and walk. The lame are now walking. And man, this, this good news, you're talking about the good news of Jesus he, you know, he's cleansed people, he's healed people, the deaf can hear, the dead are raised, and the good news of the gospel is being proclaimed to the poor. And then this crazy verse. 
Verse 6, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So not only does he hear about all the wonderful Jesus magic tricks as he's in prison, Jesus follows up and says, and tell him this also. Blessed is anybody who doesn't stumble because of me. And I'm going, what? If I'm John, I'm thinking, wait a second. (laughs) Blessed because I'm in prison? Like, don't stumble and feel and be blessed because I'm shackled in prison? Wait, that doesn't make sense, Jesus. And, and, and to add, add to that, like Jesus doesn't show up and give him this information firsthand. He sends messengers. It's like getting, it's like, how many of you guys get tired of getting like attached to a group text in the middle of your work day? Right? It's kind of fun, but it's like, all right, it's old now because now there's like 47 people replying. Just send it to me. Am I not okay? I mean, are, are we not like close enough? You just send me a direct text. Why we got to attach, you know? So, I mean, here's John. He's feeling like third string, like left out, left over the whole deal. So all of a sudden the king, King Herod throws a party. Like this, like everybody show up, you know, I'm, the king, I'm throwing a party. This is not some normal ritual, but I'm throwing a party. And, I, and, and, and they bust the kegs out and they're partying, they're, they're beer bong. I mean, they're, they're, they're like having at it, right? They, they are. They're really having a, a massive throwdown party, so much so it's one of these parties like everybody's your best friend now. Hey, man, I know you. You're, you're my friend. We go way back. So all the king's friends, they, they're lit. The king's lit, right? And so in Mark chapter 6, it says this. Um, when the daughter of Herodias, that's, um, that's, the, the, that's Herod's girlfriend, new wife, her daughter comes in. And she dances so well, apparently, that she pleased the king and all the dinner guests. Now, I picture back then uh, how that dance would have gone, how pleasing that could be. I don't know, like, like uh, I don't know, ballerina style, like, you know, in their little tutu and like, little. but who, I don't know. There, this could have been like, like, you know, modern day twerking. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how this goes down, right? But, but, but it makes sense in the story that she danced so well that it, it, like, it, it, pleased, it pleased the king and the guests. And so the king decides he liked the dancing so well that he says to this girl, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promises her with an oath, like in front of everybody, so help me, king, I'll give you whatever you want. Um, whatever you ask, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. Now, I think he's thinking, younger girl, um, she's going to ask for the new hot new BMW or cool car or uh, an iPad or I don't know, whatever they wanted then. But what she does, I don't know if mom was, you know, off to the side, Herodias, and says, come here, come here, come here, before you answer that question, let me tell you something. And she whispers something to her daughter, and so her daughter then comes back to the king and says, I know what I want. I want, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. Now, John doesn't know anything. He's in, he's in jail. He's not at the party. 
He's, out, he, he's, he's in jail hearing about how cool Jesus is and all the, all the massive, awesome magic tricks that Jesus is doing as he's stuck in jail. So all of a sudden, the king, in verse 26, was greatly distressed. But because of his oaths, now remember, king's like, he's, he's lit. And he's, he's also the king. So he's been, he's been pretty proud of what he's done. So he's like, I can do whatever I want to do. So he gives this promise, but he can't back up because he doesn't want to lose their followership. And he sticks to what he says. But it, it, it stresses him out because he respects John. And so he did not refru- refuse her request. So, verse 27, he immediately sent out an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in prison, and brought his head back on a platter. And we all went to lunch. It was a happy day. <laughs> right, so here, can, can I just be honest? I don't, I don't like this story at all. I, 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 I try to avoid this story. I, I, don't like this, I don't like to preach this story. I, I don't think I've ever preached it before. <laughs> I don't like, I mean, I've read it. I know it. I don't like this story. I just don't like this because it just doesn't seem like it makes any sense. I mean, back up. In, in those moments leading up to this, and it could have gone either way. I mean, the king did like John. The daughter didn't have to dance so good. They didn't have to be lit. The mom could have been off in the bathroom when the daughter looked around for advice for what she could have asked for for the king. I mean, it could have gone the other way. Why, why does it seem like God was like, forgetful or or distant or gone or not paying attention or off the throne or hands off the wheel so the question is what do you do when God doesn't make sense and as I say that I mean I'm looking at your eyes and some of you guys are like yeah that's that's right where I'm at and if, if I were to ask you have you had that experience? And I did the first hour, and everyone's like, yeah. Been there, done that, got like several t-shirts and scars from what I thought God would do and he didn't do. So let me just take a quick step back just to look at some of the things that I think we forget about in the midst of this story. First is, was John the Baptist, um, or what was John the Baptist's greatest desire? I think we see a guy that lived for purpose. He was passionate about what he was called to do. This guy was, he was like laser-like, zeroed in on, this is what I'm, this is my desire. This is my purpose. I, I want to do my purpose. So what was John's greatest desire and purpose? Well, I believe he wanted to prepare the way for the Lord. So did he accomplish it? Yeah, yeah, he he did that, he did that. (laughs) Um, What was God's purpose? What was God's purpose? What was God's big purpose? And John playing that role and what God's purpose was, what was God's purpose? Well, God's purpose was to send his son so we could be forgiven. What was God's purpose? 
Was God's purpose accomplished? Yeah. So we could agree that John the Baptist wanted, his, wanted what was being accomplished. He just didn't like how it was accomplished. Now, I don't know. We didn't ask him. We couldn't have asked him. That's the sad state of the story. He doesn't get a chance to talk back to us. But, I mean, come on. Put yourself in John's shoes. Most of us have places and experiences in our life where we would rather God had not done it this way. Right? This is a scarred road. This is a bruised up road. That's a harder road. I mean, I'm never going to choose the hard road. So here it is. God's purpose was accomplished. It just wasn't a part of John's plan. Proverbs 19.21 says this. Many are the plans in a person's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now I know that's like a big lump of like massive horse pill to swallow. Okay. <laughs> Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's God's plan that prevails. So here's the deal. God's plan's going to prevail. He's going to win. But here's, here's the deal. There are so many times that we have ideas about how God's plan should be accomplished. I mean, I, I have ideas every day about how my life ought to go, how things ought to go, how, how I would orchestrate things according to what I think God's plan is or what my plan is for God's plan, for our plan and the plan. We've got, we have ideas all the time. L let me just share um, how, how this has even played out, like, personally for me, even like in recent times. I've had, you know, higher level, more pain-filled experiences as you have. Uh, but here's one that's not too big. Um, but even even in Easter, just recently a week ago, all right? So I know it was a great day. And, and we have, like, so much to celebrate. And I'm so proud of our church. I love you guys. It's awesome. And I was blown away. Like, the best service we ever had, the most volunteers we ever had. I mean, just people all over the place doing, like, just phenomenal jobs. I'm so proud of all our volunteers. But can I be honest? I, I was like almost crying driving up to the church going, but it still looks cloudy out. You know, earlier in the week, we sent out a, a, an email. If you get our emails or if you get texts or whatever, we sent one out with all our church staff with zinc on our faces going, forecast is 100% thunderstorms, but we're, we're, we believe because God's done it every year before on our outdoor Easter service that it hasn't rained. And I really believe God wasn't going to let it rain. And guess what? God did a miracle on Sunday. And during our service time, the threatening 100% chance of thunderstorms went in a couple days to 0%. Dan Brim sent me a text and said, by tomorrow, this is on Saturday, it'll be drought stage. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Go God. Yay God. Woo-hoo. Right? But I'm looking at my notes as I'm preaching Sunday, and there's, it's sprinkling on them. <laughs> I'm going, okay, hurry up. Get this done before it comes down, right? And I'm going, God, you did an awesome thing Sunday. It was a miracle. Let me show you the forecast. This is what it looked like. Yeah. Like, wow. Wow. I mean, every year God's like kind of let the forecast come around us. We're the only stupid church in town that does a outdoor Easter service every year. I know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We don't have a whole lot of sense. That's cool. But, but God did a miracle. 
But inside, inside, I'm going, but God, it makes no sense. We, we dropped 500 people. I count these things. I count everything. We dropped 500 people. Last year, we had so many people invite friends and guests so excited and proud of our church. Does a great job of connecting people with people far from God. I want my friends to come because I want them to know what I know. Last year, we had 200 people bow the knee and make Jesus leader and forgive of their life. This year, 20 people. And I know that, that's, that's great. I, that's awesome. Maybe that's you here today. I, you found God last week. But internally, I'm going, God, even this morning, I woke up and I'm like, God, it is so perfectly blue outside today. Could you not have leaned that day over on this day because you're in charge of all the days? God, this makes no sense. Just saying, right? Now, my faith's not rocked. All right? there, we, we, you don't have your pastor having a meltdown this morning and kicking and screaming over over the weather or over a, a dropped number or or lesser than or more than that's that's not the point um and here here's where a lot of us are at you know i i've i've had other things in my life that paved the way for future things like when i lost my mom over 25 years ago i lost my mom you guys some of you guys know my story i lost my mom we knew for like two weeks and felt like, man, she's getting better, going to be no problem with this cancer. And then all of a sudden, she dies the day before Christmas. And, and I have scars from that experience. So a couple of my scars from that experience are, I had a debate, kind of argument with my mom. I'm a college student, 19 years old, got friends in town. We want to go hang out at the beach, Fort Lauderdale trip at night. And she's like, it's probably not a good idea tonight. They just had, you know, a crackdown on this, yada, 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 yada. So I'm mad at my mom. She's mad at me because I went anyways. So I have some scars from that. I have some scars from not being there the night my mom died. I have some, I have some, some daddy wounds from seeing my dad grieve so deeply, so deeply, I would catch my dad in a in fully clothed with no water on in a shower, just boohooing, laying face down in a shower. I saw it in my sisters. I, and and there, there were times that I was just like, God, this makes no sense. My mom was X, Y, Z, and to you, God, she was, and it just made no, and I have, I have scars, but here's the thing. And I remember sitting out like two, two and a half, maybe three years of college, some of that was drug out by just me not being great in school. Um, but I sat out of school. You're supposed to laugh, not agree, okay? <clears throat> um, so I sat out of school for, for a few years. But here's the thing. I look at that event, and I look back now 25 years later. God radically changed my heart in that 25 years of time. I gained a purpose, didn't have purpose, zero purpose, zero passion, zero direction. I gained a wife. I would have never, never been there at the same time as my wife because she's far younger and more beautiful. I gained a brother. I got a brother out of the deal. I love my brother. 
I gained a stepmom. I gained a church family. All that because of that event that I thought, God, you are, you have this all jacked up. This makes no sense, God. But I look at all that and I say this. It wasn't according to my plan. I would have chosen something else. I would have gone a different route. It wasn't according to my plan, but it was according to his purpose. So let me say this, Romans 8.28, but God's words say this. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Even when you don't feel loving towards him, that still applies. Right? Because we, we waver. God does not waver. He's faithful even when we're faithless. So we can know that in all things God's going to work good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So here it is. My faith is not in my plan. My faith is not in our plan, but my faith is in God's purpose. And, you know, we get so lost sometimes. I know there are times I do get lost because of the circumstances. Rain, not rain. Propose to this person. She said no. Okay, I'm confused, right? We get so lopsided and confused about who God is and whether he loves us or doesn't love us based on our circumstances. We're, ter we're a terrible read of who God is because of our circumstances. We get lost in our circumstances. So here's the thing. We should never interpret the goodness of God through our circumstances. Never interpret the, the goodness of God through our circumstances. Instead, we should interpret our circumstances through the goodness of God. So let me just relate this for a moment. Some of you guys today, I mean, in this moment, you, you, this conversation's brought up your your pain spots, your pressure points, your, your why I'm mad with God thoughts. And some of you, you have a high pain level right now, unlike me with the rain, all right? That's not a big one right now for me, it's not. But some of you have a high pain level right now because you've been praying and even begging God because you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. That's just a fact for some of us here today. And that's horrible. That's a horrible, it's a horrible feeling. Um, some of you have been praying for someone who's sick, and they've, they've only been getting worse. And that's horrible. Some of you have been, you've been praying for a relationship to get better. And it's not getting better, it's getting further apart. And that's, that's, that's disheartening. And some of you have served your country and fought for freedom. And you've begged God to take away depression or anxiety or those thoughts. And it has not happened. And you have doubts. And you might feel like if we can inquire of John the Baptist how he felt. And you would say, God, I don't like this. You don't have to understand the plan to trust God's purpose. 
And Jesus did, Jesus did the unthinkable for us to model how this feels. I mean, you know, God sent his son Jesus. He was basically God in a body, right? God in a body, came to the earth. So here's a, here's a fully God, fully man dude walking around on earth. You, you cut him, he bleeds, right? You punch him, it hurts. And so he chooses willingly to go take away the mess, everybody's struggle, everybody's sin, everybody's pain, and say, I'll, I'll take it all on me. Carries that weight, physically gets jacked up, beat, hurt, bruised, and he hangs brutally on a cross willingly for us. But he's human, as we're human, and he feels as we feel. And he models what a feeling of this doesn't make sense when he cries out on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, where the heck are you, God? This makes no sense in this moment. Like, I'm, I want to come off. But because he is God, and this is where, we, I mean, how do you get your brain wrapped around that, right? Because he is God, he, he chooses to stay. And he says, I'll stay. Why? Because he loves us. So in those moments when we get lost in our circumstances, we have to remember that moment. That moment right there. Where he cries out in our same pain, but yet says, I do this because I love you. And that's what we can't forget. When I was young, when I was 19 and I lost my mom, there was a song by a group named New Song. And I didn't, I didn't do Christian songs much back then. But there was a Christian song. Someone said, you got to hear this song. And I remember feeling like, don't tell me what I need to know about God right now when I lost my mom. But I remember hearing this song and being so torn up over God not making sense and not pulling through and feeling like he doesn't love us any longer because we have a hurt. And that song had a, had a, had a phrase that said, when you can't, Trace his hand. Like you don't know what God's doing. It said trust his heart. God's heart is, I love you. God's hand is his plan that we may not know what he's doing. But God sees the bend, the road, the years ahead. And we have no idea what God may be doing that might be setting something up because God is good. God loves us. It's been proven on the cross. He knows what the future holds, and he's doing something. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. I would not be here today pastoring this church. <laughs> I mean, most people who know me still think it's hilarious. <laughs> really, really. But God's got a plan. And here's the thing. God wants to take your scars and leverage your junk, all the stupid stuff we've done, all, all, the, all the pain, all the issues, even, even the stuff you still carry that you can't get rid of, God uses that to draw you back to himself. And not only will he draw you back to himself, but he wants to leverage your story, get this, for somebody else's forever. Get, get, get that what I'm saying? 
God wants to use your story for somebody else. Maybe for the point of them finding God for forever. And them knowing, Jesus loves me. He saves me. He offers me freedom. And that's good news. That's great news. That helps make sense out of some of this stuff. So it's not always about our plan. But it's up to us to say at some point, God, because of your love, because I know you love me, God, I'll, I'll stay in this process. I'll stay. I won't jump ship. I'll, I'll let you continue to mold me, even though it's painful right now. Because maybe, just maybe, God is doing something. Well, maybe not. Maybe. He is. God is doing something. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close a little differently today. We're not going to pass buckets around for the offering. But we are taking an offering. <laughs> You're not getting out of that. There'll be buckets outside. No one's going to hold a bucket and go here, walk by and give. There'll be buckets sitting outside. For those of you that are guests, we normally pack, pass some buckets around. And we normally say as guests, just be our guest. But, but there are buckets outside if you want to contribute and give to what God's doing in this church. And, and most of you right now, you give online anyways. And we have ways that we text to give and give online. So that's cool. But I don't want to pass buckets today. So I wanted to end in this moment because we are going to close with a song. Stephen's going to tell you about it in just a second. That I want you to be reminded in the thick of your circumstances because of his love we can surrender to his plan. Because he loves us I'm okay with submitting to God's will and his best for my life. He knows better than me. Let's pray. God, we give it all to you. And even if there's tension and wrestle in trying to say that, God, God, we just kind of open ourselves up to have you show us who you are and show us maybe who we are and can be in and through you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.